Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, welcome back. This is kind of technically our review show. We're reviewing stuff. We're also talking about goofy pop culture stories through the week. And we got we got a bunch to talk about. So our challenge is to get through as many of these as we can in the next 40 minutes. Got Paul and Joe. You guys ready? Let's do this. All right. Hey, our you know, we're kind of like a news organization. You know, sometimes on the TV news. You know, it's about ready time for TV news and stuff. It's breaking. And the editor's like, okay, this is just breaking. Let's put this at the front of the story. That's what happened today. But don't worry. It's not a major incident. There's no loss of life. Um, we just got a news alert that at the MTV Movie Awards last night. Yeah, this is how this is how breaking our show is. <laughs> um, breaking. Scarlett Johansson got slimed by her husband, Colin Jost. I don't know what it is. I, I'm not, you know, Scarlett Johansson's a, an attractive woman. I think we can say that. That's that's okay to say. But I'm, I'm happy in my marriage. I'm not lusting after her. Everything's fine. Somehow, <laughs> the fact that she married a schlubby comedian, which I find Colin Joe's kind of funny on Silent Live, it just frustrates me. It's like Pete Davidson, who's also on Silent Live. He was dating Ariana Grande for a while. And I'm like... Why? What are we doing? You know, uh, we talk about how we we married up for our wives, and you know, I believe we all did. Well, man, Colin Ghost married way up. He kind of, you know, it was that once a lifetime shot. We have a Steelers podcast where we talk about Dwayne Haskins, and we say, man, that one in a thousand chance, you know, Dwayne Haskins turns into. Johnny Unitas, you know, as he comes to the Steelers. Well, Colin Jost had that one in a thousand chance, and somehow it struck, and he's not married to Scott Johansson. Um, kind of, they had a little moment, and you know, I, I looked at the story first and said, "Okay, they got slimed." That's what happens on Nickelodeon Awards, but I forgot this is the MTV Movie Awards, so apparently it was a joke, and I, I don't know, I'm. I'm sure Colin Jost is a nice guy. He kind of makes a laugh on Silent Live. I don't dislike him. I, I'm not lusting after Scott Johansson. It's fine. They can be married. I'm glad they got married. I'm glad that, you know, they're doing they whatever. They seem to be happy. Yeah. It's I mean, so I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for people who have a, a decent sense of humor and have an outlook on life that, uh, can allow them to uh, get some enjoyment and some some laughs about a lot of things. Uh, I've known some people who have, uh, you know, who have, who have said that it may not always be easy to live with somebody who's a comedian who's always taking things down a notch. You know, they're not always the most positive people. But Colin Joe seems to be like a decent guy, and given the uh, the uh, the crowd of comedians who you typically look like, you know gargoyles crawling out from their basement uh, with snarky <laughs> comments to take everything down a notch. Amongst that crowd, I'm going to say that Colin Jost is a decent looking guy and he seems to be a decent human being. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. And the bit itself looks like it was filmed at home, you know? So it was like they had a camera set up and she accepted the award at home. So he would be the only other person who was there who could perform the bit. So if this is a bit that they decided on for the show, he's the only person who could do it. So you might as well. Well, I don't know. She seems to be game to do a lot of stuff. So she probably, it may have even been her idea. Who knows? It looked like a hostage video. Like I felt bad for her. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> don't they all though? All of these things where people are doing stuff yeah. from home, it's like we really are all shooting our own personal hostage videos. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's tough. And you know, I mean, what a creep. I mean, there's creeps out there that love videos of women getting slimed and everything. So I don't know. It just it just seemed very just weird to me. I I I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I would love Colin Jost. I'm sure if I could hang out with Colin Jost, I'd be like, man, he's a good guy. It's just the whole thing frustrates me. But, Paul, you made a good point before the show as we were talking about this. Um, you're kind of worried about Colin with the jokes he makes about old Scarlet. Yeah, I, um, I, I think he's a generally funny guy, uh, and you can kind of see the – the angst on his face when he has to read a joke where Scarlet is the punchline. Um, but I, I think I, I hope they're very happy together and maybe they have a relationship where they love pranking each other and doing goofy things. That would be wonderful. But I, I do just want to remind him that his name is now Colin Johansson. Um, that he's, he's, he is the second fiddle here and he's punching way above his weight class and, just, I'm just hoping that that this is all good within the marriage. Um, don't mess it up, Colin. <laughs> right, my only advice. I mean, that's just good marital counseling, right there. It's like, you know, maybe maybe dial that back a notch. Uh, I, and as I was saying before, I, it seems like on an episode some a couple of weeks back, before he read a joke where Scarlett was going to be the butt of it. I think he even said out loud beforehand, this is a joke that Michael Che has written that I'm going to read that I have never seen before. So just so you know, <laughs> I'm reading this out loud for the first time seeing it. And it ended up being with the, the butt of the joke was Scarlett Johansson. So I, I think that's what's happening where they're surprising each other on air. Um, that was uh, the basis of the entire Stefan bit years ago that John Mulaney used to write for um oh shoot what's his name uh uh Bill Hader well, yeah Bill Hader right yeah. exactly can't believe I can remember that but uh that was the bit that's why he laughed every single time because there were always jokes that he had never seen before uh, John Mulaney would slip them in there all the time so I think they're trying to capitalize on that kind of spontaneity and that's Michael Che's way of completely trying to break Colin Jost is putting all of these Scarlett Johansson jokes in there. And we can safely say, do any of you guys disagree? Obviously, this bit was set up. I mean, we all seen the happening. Yeah, there's I, only two people in a the house. There's an award. It's right. already at your house, and there's a bowl full of slime. Right. Like you know, <laughs> you know what's gonna happen here. Well, well, I hate this MTV news tweet that's embedded in the story. Colin Jost makes a surprise appearance. Yeah, I'm sure. What else is happening at the house? You know, Scarlett's like, hey, honey. I'm it might be a surprise to us. It's I'm not a surprise to anybody else. else. What do you think? Colin Joseph's like, oh, well, I'm reading a book. No, Colin's in the other room anyway. He do -do. He's in the other room. Can you keep the MTV award acceptance down? Yeah. I'm trying to watch TV. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to watch Lifetime Movie Network, and you're in there filming your stuff. I'm watching I, the, the NHL playoffs. Yeah. Can you just keep it down? I'm listening to the Ohio and Steelers <laughs> podcast last week. Can't believe I missed it. Uh, <laughs> That's what you're doing. <laughs> well, here's the other thing that frustrates me so much about this. Okay. As Christian guys, let's all strive to treat our wife as queens and everything else. So I'm not saying we should treat our wives like crap. We all need to treat our wives great. But if you're married to Scarlett Johansson, wouldn't you be kind of scared of playing any pranks on her? You know what I mean? I think she's probably got a better sense of humor than we're giving her credit for. I would be afraid. I, I think I don't one. think you get uh, up getting married to her without her knowing that this is part of what, of what the know, relationship Hollywood. is like. I don't think you get this far with this yeah, being I mean, new. Marriage doesn't last forever in Hollywood. I, I would be afraid. I'm not even by I, I don't think you should not be afraid, but I think she knows what she's getting into. And again, I'm going to say this was probably her idea. Okay. She seems to be game for a lot of fun stuff. So I think she's got a good sense of humor. I mean, if I was in the marriage, I would be afraid to say anything to her. I mean, I'd be it's sitting here and Scar would be like, hey. We're, yes, but yes, we're yes, talking yes, about me. Colin punching above his weight class. Come on. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, can you imagine you that? You should yeah. be afraid if you were. Show your hands is married to Chris Peer. I was like, what? What? Stranger things have happened, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I would be as scared of saying anything to her. I mean, I, you know, honey, you look nice, and that's it. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't know what else yeah, to say. Which is, which is probably why it's not likely that you're ever kidding. Right. I definitely. I mean, in conjunction yeah, with the happy marriage you already have. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I think there's there's got to be an understanding, even with the SNL cast, when he does those jokes there, that I, I think if they knew this was a problem, I don't think they push it there. Like, I, I think about, like, my wife and I have very different senses of humor. My daughter and I have the identical sense of humor. And so the way my daughter and I rip on each other, it would almost seem cruel to an outsider. Oh. Um, I, I would not <laughs> whip my wife the same way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Some relationships are built that way and it it it's it defies logic sometimes. I, I want to hear more about Paul's family. We gotta bring Paul's family on. <laughs> Have them all line up and it'll be good. We'll we'll investigate them all. That'd be great. I don't know, but, oh, but yeah, yeah but I guess my daughter and I both have a very sarcastic sense of humor, and we—that's—that's that's kind of our love language—is just tearing into each other. <laughs> I, I think it'd be hard for me, whoever it would be, if it's you know Scott Johansson, if it's a famous actress or a famous—I don't know—whoever the famous person would be, I have a hard time. Like I'm, I'm trying to do better of keeping work out of family, but it would be hard to look at. <laughs> somebody famous and not ask them about this thing. I mean, that would be tough in any type of a famous relationship. You know what I mean? I don't know. How do you have a normal conversation with Scarlett Johansson? How can you watch TV or movies with her? You'd always have to be asked, well, is that better than your movie? You know, I don't know. I would have a hard time. It would be, be troubling. You know, I... No, you just... Every movie, it's like, that was really good, honey, but not as good as Jojo Rabbit. Just... Yeah. Or, or can you imagine if you're watching a movie? Like, I, I have a hard time listening to podcasts with my own voice on it. I mm-hmm. wonder if they ever watch a Scarlett Johansson movie. You know, like, if she's like, hey, you know, let's check out this movie I was in or whatever. I have to say, the va- I would say the majority, I'm tempted to say the vast majority, but I would say the majority of actors in films do not like watching themselves on film at all. Well, and, many- and there's numerous stories of people who will say, I have never watched these movies that I'm in. There's a couple of them who are real honest about it. Like Johnny Depp actually has been really honest about it. He's like, oh, no, I don't watch anything that I'm in. Um, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, I think, doesn't watch any of the dailies. He doesn't do any of that stuff. Uh, like he just he's never seen himself on film. Can't stand watching it because it'll just get in your head as somebody who's done a film. Uh, not well but <laughs> who's been in a film like when you start watching those watching yourself you get real self-conscious about what you're doing after that and so there's a lot of people who just have never watched any of their own movies people who walk the red carpet to the premiere and as soon as they get to their seat they just go right out the fire exit that's down at the front of the theater and then come back when it's over yeah could you imagine if you know calling in um Scarlett are watching this movie, and what if it's a Scarlett Johansson movie with a love scene? Mike, can you imagine Colin Joe's trying to watch that? I mean, I'll be out the door. I'd be like, hey! <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's people who are doing completely different things for, with their lives. This is... Yeah. Scarlett's got to be watching Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy on night. I mean, hey, you know, their lives are similar, right? Uh, I, I don't. She's she's about twenty years away from sitting down watching Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> she's got me checking. Thirty-five. <laughs> she could search for Ohio and spot the Ohio like any of us could. You never know. You never. Yeah, know. that's different than. I mean, there there's a certain demographic that tends to watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, and she's right. still in her thirties. <laughs> yeah, she's thirty-six. Well, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll be surprised. The lights are. It may not be that much different. I mean, yeah, their TV might be bigger, their their pool might be bigger, or whatever. But you know, I think the lights will be somewhat similar. So I don't know. All right, <laughs> well, let's move on to our next topic. 
Uh, we should mention this during the Steelers uh, podcast. Oh, we're not there yet. Sorry. Um, well, let's switch this really quick since it's starting to bring this up. Um, I don't want to get as much in the Steelers rant about this, but Mel Blunt was a famous former uh, Steeler, and his son, uh, Jabari, is a uh, basketball player um, at North Carolina Central. And the Dolphins uh, team signed him to be a football player. And apparently they liked his um, skills, but, you know, I, I'm thinking maybe some of it had something to do with his name. I, I Why are we doing this? I mean, I, I'm sure that he had some ability that they admired. I mean, I don't think he looked like you and me. But I, I don't know. Are, is there more pressure now that if you're like, you know, Paul's family or is there going to be pressure on Paul's kids? Are they going to become pastors or in the church? I know the question was asked for me, and my dad was a pastor. Joe, do, do well, I don't think I know. What kids do you have? Do you have a son and a daughter? I have three sons and two daughters. Okay. I mean, are any of those kids getting questions saying, hey, are you going to be in the theater? Because dad's in the theater. My daughter is a major in theater okay. right now. My son just did a performance yesterday. Uh, so they did, but the younger ones, not so much. I don't know. It's, I don't know who's on the coaching staff in, in Miami, but it may be somebody who's close enough to that family so that they've got a close connection personally. So they have some knowledge of, of, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Jabari. Jabari. Um, uh, they may have some knowledge of him. He would be somebody who has an understanding of how to function as a professional athlete. Because um, I wouldn't know how to go about doing that at all and would probably be highly unsuccessful of doing it, not just from my skill level, but from, you know, operating as a professional athlete. That's a whole world that I don't know anything about. Much like I know a little bit about functioning as a, as a professional actor, um, but the average person would absolutely flounder not at the acting ability but just having to function as a professional actor it's a completely different like model of how you act and how you live and how you function um so he would have that experience and knowledge and you know the ability to transition from one sport to the other may not be as uh, big of a leap as possible i do have some questions about the the position of tight end anymore in the nfl because it seems like everybody can be a tight end um, we're just taking a basketball player. We're taking a, a, a former professional baseball player um, and just throwing him in as tight end. Aren't there tight ends? There are people who are tight ends in college who have played tight end. Can we not hire them? I don't know. What do you think about Tim so Tebow? You think, um... yeah, exactly. I'm thinking about Tebow. Never played tight end in his life. Why is Why are we hiring everybody who's never played tight end to be a tight end? Well, Antonio Gates played little or no football in uh, Kent State. Uh, right. But, you know, they liked the way he looked on the basketball court. He ended up having a decent, you know, NFL career. I, and it's a and it's a position where, especially as a receiver, you know, being tall, being able to handle that jump ball, getting in around people and getting physical, that's what you have to do. And these these guys know how to do that. They know how to create separation and how to, you know, how to, how to operate that way. Well, and to at least your daughter, she went to school to go to theater. And right. I'm sure – you know, you being a theater, you probably played a role. I mean, I don't think you forced her into it, but, you know, maybe she admired what you did and that kind of helped, you know, guide her in that path. And you start to wrap your head around how life works like that. She understands the rhythm of being a theater person, that I'm in a show right now, and that's something that I'm doing for about five weeks, three weeks of rehearsal and two weeks of performance, and then you you're, you have a little break after that before you start another process. She understands the rhythm of that. And so she understands how to how to operate that way, and so it's easier to wrap your head around that as a career choice. Well, it'd be weird though if she went to school to be a teacher or journalist, and they're like, "Well, we remember your dad. Your dad sounded good. You've got that similar voice. You know, why don't you, you know, try?" Oh, to and then there's a lot of people who see life operating that way and just don't want to do it. Like, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I think one of my one of my sons sees the way that that works and is just like, yeah, no, I don't really want anything to do with that. So we always are hoping that he's going to be the CEO of some company somewhere so he can actually afford to take care of the rest of us. Yeah, definitely. Paul, I, I got in a weird wormhole 
from YouTube the other day. You got to be careful on YouTube. It takes you <laughs> some weird directions. Um, I, I saw a video about uh, Jack Elway. N- not Jack Elway, Jack Brady. I think that's uh, Tom Brady's son. He's 13 now. And people are saying that he hasn't played a lot of football, but, man, he's got that arm. He could be the next big thing. You know, you never know. So we're doing that. We're but doing I, that for everybody. Yeah, I, I think it's at that point where – because especially football has changed so much, you know, you're, you're starting to look, I think, at just the general athletic ability. Because even, I mean, tight end, when when I played tight end in high school, that was the, you're the blocker and sometimes you catch. And, I mean, tight ends don't do a whole lot of blocking anymore. But if you find a, a basketball player, you get some six 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 seven six eight kid who can muscle his way under the boards – Say, hey, do you know how to catch? Uh, we, we could use your height and your jumping uh, in a short yard situation. Uh, you know, you, you look for creative, uh, untapped resources that maybe you didn't look at before. Um, so I, I don't think, I mean, because it's not, I mean, catching a football, that's not a, a hard skill to learn. Uh, obviously, can you do it at the NFL level? But, you know, why not look and explore other options, you know, think outside the box and see if you can find a, a diamond in the rough. Definitely. Uh, speaking of being creative, uh, you got to give you guys some good advice before we move on to our next story. Um, you know, you want to look at creative options you may not have tapped before. And, you know, you might need a furniture. And, and thankfully, you know, we got some uh, updates from the CDC saying, hey, if you're vaccinated, you can go out and do more. That's great. But still, if you're shopping for furniture, a day's gone. Man, guys, it's going to be about noon by the time we finish up. I got some stuff to this afternoon. But if I had to look for furniture and go to the store, my day's gone. You know, yeah, I'm doing something, but it takes a long time. But, you know, actually, a home store. Look, click the link on our website or your podcast provider. They give you a coupon right away. Two seconds later, here's a coupon you can use. Use it, arrange for delivery, and you can have furniture delivered to your house. Man, I almost want to buy new furniture so I could try this out. It's so much easier. Uh, you don't have to waste a day. You don't have to rent a truck. You don't have to bug your friends to have a big you know pickup saying, hey, I want to take this uh, thing home. Hey, have Ashley Homestore do it. It'll be easy. Check out the link or website. It'll be good. I just like how they interlinked that, guys. They just you know threw that right together. It's just seamless. <laughs> it's almost like I'm a middle-aged guy. Filling a hole in my life by podcasting and trying to figure out you know, there you go. that level. The midlife <laughs> crisis time of my life. Hey, at least I'm not sleeping around or buying a sports car I can't afford. Podcasting is my midlife crisis. So it, it's very good. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the awkwardness of people listening to that going, yep, I know that's what he's going through. <laughs> this is a whole horrible midlife crisis. It's true. Uh, it's all very true. That's yeah, very true. <laughs> now I feel bad. Now I'm going to start crying in five minutes. It's going uh-huh. to um, hey, well, here's some stories to bring you up then. Yes, some some very enlightening stories. And um, I, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about that because I'm probably going to take the other side on this. Um, hey, Burns High School. Um, yeah, this is actually a real high school name. We're not talking about Montgomery Burns. This is Oh, but it should school. be. It should be Monty Burns. Yes. Memorial High oh, School. Yeah. That would be great. Excellent. Well, Burns High School is like a lot of high schools here in COVID. You know, and we're, you know, there's options. You can learn at home and everything. But look, it gets to be prom time. And the poor kids that are learning from home, they say, hey, I want to be part of the prom. They got turned away, though, uh, because they say, hey, if you want to come to the prom, you got to be in school person. You got to be teach, learning in school. And obviously the remote learners are getting very <laughs> And they say, hey, we can't participate. It's really sad. What do you guys think about this? Paul, what do you think about this? Um, honestly, I, I kind of – I get it to one extent, but on the other hand, I, I think there's got to be special – circumstances uh, in the middle of what we're going through. Um, you know, cause I, I know the typical thing is if you're not in school, then you can't participate in an after school activity that day. But at, 
these are different circumstances. I, I uh, if they want to be sticklers, I, I mean, I don't know how every school works. Smaller schools might be different. Um, if you're a senior, let let them in. I mean, prom could be a once in a lifetime thing. Just let them go. Um, yeah, that's that's my short answer. If you've already gone to all of the trouble to keep people home and people have made the choice not to go back to school, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really attend my prom when I was in school. I don't feel like I've missed out anything in life by not going to prom. Uh, I don't feel like it's such an essential activity that, oh my gosh, we actually have to, we, these are risks we have to take. Everybody must go to prom. Uh, there's schools that I know of around around my area where if you don't attend that school and you're if if you're if if somebody at that school is dating somebody who does not attend the school, they can't bring they are not allowed to bring somebody not from the school right. to their prom. You know what I mean? So it's kind of the same thing, really. Uh, you're just doing your doing your best as a school to try to keep people safe and have what you can. I don't know. What was it last year? There were several different people who were trying to do prom activities online because kids weren't allowed to, weren't able to do their proms in 2020. I think, uh, was it a uh, uh, John Krasinski, I think did something where he had a bunch of different yeah. high schools around the country were participating in a virtual prom. I don't know. We're all, we're just in weird times and it's hard to do anything that doesn't feel safe. And they're just making their best, trying to make the best choices they can to keep everybody safe. Yeah. Is it, and even in a non COVID year, isn't the point of prom and these after proms is at least somebody's watching these kids. I mean, you know, before you had after prom, you were like, man, are they taking the kids to hotels? You know, what kind of icky stuff's going on? So you have after prom. So, you know, through the night, at least the kids are being watched. Nobody's sleeping around. Nobody's doing inappropriate stuff with each other. So, yeah, have the prom. At least you, you know what the kids are doing, right? Well, um, that, that that brings up a different issue. I know I, I haven't seen it around here, but it back in Cleveland, we would have high school kids in the area would come door to door and try to raise money for their after prom. And they kind of give you this pitch like, you know, help keep us from doing bad things and donate to our after prom. It's like, <laughs> you're also kind of like just, holding me hostage. Like, if you don't like give also, me money, I'm going to misbehave. Like, just, like, maybe just don't do those things. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're the one who can make that choice. We, we, we can pay for this thing, and you're still going to do bad things wherever that is. Like, exactly. You're the one who makes these choices. You're an adult now. Come on. Yeah, so the girl's like, hey, if you don't give me money, I'll probably get pregnant this night. Oh, man. Or you seriously are being held hostage at that point. Like, come on. <laughs> I don't think they ever raised money committee for – I mean, I think my senior year, we actually had an after prom, but I don't think they actually went around and threatened, like, hey, give me 25 <laughs> bucks and we'll do some crazy stuff, you know? Or we're going to burn this place to the ground. <laughs> this city will gain the power – yeah, there you go. I have a TV in my bedroom that it, it makes some buzzing noises when it's on, but I won that at my after prom. I am now nice. 47 years old and I still have that TV. Still have that TV, baby. <laughs> and you still think of that after prom every single time. Yeah, I, I've never heard about that before. Where they're like, man, this thing's lasting forever. <laughs> <laughs> so they're raising money in town with an implied threat of icky stuff's going to happen. Like, the population is going to grow. Lots of kids are going to get pregnant, and you know, the town will the town will double in size based on the horrible things happening after prom. I never heard that before. That's crazy. I, wow, that's wild. It's kind of a sore subject for me, though, because I the oh, okay, girl right. I took the prom was. I mean, I I had the biggest crush on her, and we spent a lot of time talking during school my whole senior year. She was a year behind me. And I worked up the courage, asked her to prom, and she's like, oh, yeah, let me ask my boyfriend first. I'm like, oh, that's where, right. where did he come from? <laughs> right. So we yeah, went as friends. But like, like, yeah, go to prom. I don't we hang go. out every day for a year, and I know nothing about this boyfriend. Right. 
I think I subject. asked somebody who who had just gotten back with with an old boyfriend in order to go to prom. <laughs> so at that point, I was just like, "Yeah, I'm not asking anybody else. This is I'm <laughs> nope. That took too much too too uh, too much of my energy to try to get up to that point, and it was like, "Nope, I'm out." <laughs> My parents were really conservative. They really weren't into the school dances. I didn't like all the money the prom cost, so I wasn't as interested. Um, there was a foreign exchange student I was kind of awkwardly seeing at the time that, you know, I guess she was hoping I would ask her to go to the prom, and I didn't, so she ended up going with a football player. The prom was a weird time. Um, so I ended up not going to prom. I took this girl I ended up going with to a – a high school play at a different high school that night, and we ended up going to after prom. We just kind of skipped the prom itself, and it was weird. I mean, we went as friends. I mean, it really wasn't a, oh, hey, I think I'm interested in you type thing. And I ended up, we really didn't talk that much during after prom, and I think some people were upset saying, did you ditch her? And it was just like, you know, we went as friends, <laughs> and, you know. I mean, we ended up driving home, and I, I think the drive home was okay. I mean, I it was just a weird time. I don't know. I, I probably should have talked to her more after prom. It wasn't anything. It was like, hey, you know, it, just, it was like your day. I mean, you know, sometimes you go to prom with friends, right? You know? I don't know yeah, my like, daughter just, um, not this weekend, but the weekend before, went to her school's prom with a group of friends and they were on the gateway clipper. So they're on the rivers yeah. around downtown. I'm like, man, that, that's a prom. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's increasingly popular where it's a group of friends. will all go together. That's yeah. And I'm all for it. I mean, I, I think John Krasinski's online thing kind of got goofy after a while, but you know, I'm all for the online prom. I mean, you can hook up with random people from around the, the country, right? You know, if you're not in high school, <laughs> the phrasing wasn't good, but I think I know what you mean that you have the opportunity <laughs> to meet other people and participate in an online prom situation. And that can be a little bit more fun as you're meeting people that you don't go to school with. Right. Yeah. Obviously, you're in high school. It's not like we're yeah, all let's, going on this let's online keep the, uh, the online hookups down to a minimum if we can. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's what people use Tinder for. But I'm not saying for us. <laughs> I'm saying, hey, if you're in high school, you don't have a date, or if you get kicked out like this poor school did these kids, just have a Zoom prom. You know what I mean? Ra Zoom prom, baby. Zoom prom. Zoom prom. What's more 2021 than Zoom prom? Hey, baby, <laughs> right? You know? Sure. You're probably there. Your parents are probably in the next room, so you know, nothing weird's happening. It's online. So, I mean, you know. You know, you can't kiss the computer screen. I guess you could, but it'd be more weird than, you know, bizarre. But I, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I was a nerd guy in high school. I, Zoom prom probably worked well for me back then, you know? Could have met a girl Back from before the internet? What's that? Back before the internet? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think Zoom prom would have worked well at all because there was no internet. But just if that kind of thing had existed then... Say, so, hey, you got you have a oh, high school. Oh man, I remember being at Malone when somebody had a computer in their room and they had an email, and I'm like, "Who are you talking to over email?" That's yeah. ridiculous. And they really they were, were only ready. talking about stuff like who was the best uh, Star Trek captain. Uh, that yes. didn't represent the internet very well <laughs> back in the yeah. mid 1990s. Yeah, there was that one college friend who was kind of kind of years ahead of the curve in terms of online knowledge and presence and right. Yeah. It'd be very strange. I still remember my father-in-law um, pulled up to take my then girlfriend out to dinner, just kind of did a little visit one evening and he pulls up in his fancy car and he, he's got the big brick telephone in his car. Like, wow. He's got wow. a car phone. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> car phone. Amazing. And it's huge. Yeah, we're, we're getting way too old. Hey, let me end up with this. <laughs> I'm taking a story kind of down from the list and moving up a little bit. Um, this is kind of interesting for um, us since we're the Ohioan. Um, do you guys, obviously we weren't living at the time, but 
Canton was known for a weird thing in music history. Um, Hank Williams Sr. Um, died at early age. I think it was back in the 50s. Um, he was actually in a car wreck, and he was driving to a concert in Canton, believe it or not. Um, kind of an infamous night in Canton. They broke the news. You know, people bought tickets. They went to his concert, and they said, hey, you know, this is sad, but, you know, Hank died. I guess his band was actually there. His band did a couple songs, and they just kind of held a little bit of the time of all morning. Kind of a weird time. But, you know, guys, I, I bring this up, and we'll, we'll be quick before we leave, but I've gotten into Pawn Stars on the History Channel. It's never time I'm getting older, like watching people bring in their stuff to see how much it's worth. That's P-A-W-N. Yes, Pawn Stars. P-A-W-N, yes. <laughs> Not Porn Stars on another channel. Uh, but no, Pawn Stars. It's really good. Uh, but it was interesting. This wasn't on Pawn, P-A-W-N, Stars. But actually, there was a poster in perfect condition that was sold for $150,000 recently at auction uh, from at night. Um, I, I, what do you think about this whole collectible market? Um, my brother's telling me that baseball cards are starting to get popular again. Are you guys into collecting stuff? Are you guys starting to get back into collecting stuff? I see Joe's eyes popped up. Oh, the idea that baseball cards would start becoming valuable again is awesome because I have a huge pile of baseball cards that have been worth nothing for quite a while. So it would be nice if those started getting more valuable again. But the problem is when baseball cards were really popular, I used to collect them a lot in 87, and there was a lot of good – I mean, it was Barry Bonds' rookie year. It was Mark McGuire's yeah. rookie year. The problem is they overproduced cards. So those cards were produced probably three, four times more. So those yeah. cards are not worth anything. My brother's been telling me there's these baseball cards that come out from the previous year, like from last year, that they intentionally didn't print any of. And now that they're, you know, thousands of dollars, it's very strange. Uh, but, you know, I guess I'm not interested in that as much. I like the old market for old posters and everything. Uh, it's just crazy. I'm, not, I'm looking for my – I got a bunch of stuff I got to go through this summer. Hopefully I can find a treasure there. I'm almost ready to start going to garage sales and seeing if somebody's selling something that might be worth something. Paul, do, do you have anything I, else you can sell? I've always been into collectibles. Uh, most of what I had that would have been of value was destroyed uh, in some water damage in my parents' old house. Uh, I had old comic books, baseball cards. Um, I still have all my original star Wars toys that I passed on to my son, but um, I, I didn't think at all at the time, you know, I, I was merciless to those things. Um, they're pretty well battered. Uh, so they're probably not worth anything, but I've, if I had kept them pristine, I could probably retire right now. Um, but yeah, you I, know, I don't know if, that I really have anything of value laying around. <laughs> some of them, if, if they're rare enough, even if they're beat up, they're still worth some money. Just because they would be rare and as as difficult as you might have been on them, somebody else may have been even harder on theirs. So like if they still have <laughs> arms, I, I feel like a lot of my old G.I. Joe figures, the thumbs all broke off because you kept trying to like change the size of the hands for the size of the gun that they were trying to hold. So like all the thumbs are missing. So if you had something that had the thumbs still on there, you know, there, there may still be some value in things, even if they're a little roughed up. I don't know. It seems like a lot of money for a Hank Williams poster, but it's it's a specific event right? that, um, you know, it was the concert he was going to do that he died on his way to. So, like, that's that's a very specific event, right. probably not any of the other posters from that period are worth anything near that, um, but something from a very specific time or memorable event, you know. Well, the fact is in perfect condition. I mean, you got to think, how many times? I mean, like, you know, maybe you got scuffed up. I mean, I remember when I used to collect baseball cards, I would trade baseball cards back and forth. Anytime you handle it, you could crinkle up a card or anything. Sure. There's a billion things that could happen. And then you put it in the spokes of your your bike tire. Oh, my gosh. Bunch of morons. Why did we do that? (laughs) Well, check this out. My dad... um, he had the 19, I think it was a 59 Tops baseball set he had. And he thought it would be really cool if he cut the bottom off and paste them into a one of those, um, what do you call it, 
um, like books you put pictures in, like memories book or mm -hmm. yeah, I, photo scrapbook. albums and stuff. Scrapbook. scrapbook. He he would paste them into the scrapbook. So we had that for a while. I'm like, yeah, we gotta try to sell this. It might be worth something. I think somebody gives ten bucks for the whole thing because again, literally the bottom third of the card got cut off to make them fit into wherever the scrapbook was. And yeah, in there, hacking so, them up and make them fit into the. Oh man, right? It could yes. be worth thousands, and you know, just yeah. strange. I don't. Know. I keep telling my brother. My brother wants to invest in something for me. He's trying to get me in investments. I don't know. I watch this Pawn Stars. And I want to. You know, find something at the garage sale for a quarter that could sell for a thousand bucks, but it's probably easier said than done. So the whole game is finding somebody the, who wants to who who really needs that item. Right. You know, somebody who's particularly interested. That's even happens with baseball cards. Like if you're collecting a certain team or a certain player, if they're from a certain area or where they played, you know, that's gonna sell higher in that area than it is for somebody who's not really that interested in that player or that team. Well, I gotta be honest. I got. My I, I think. Oh yeah. I was, okay. was, was going to go off to. Uh, I think the people who deserve to get that kind of money for a collectible is any boy born in the 1970s who had like an original Luke Skywalker with the lightsaber that came out of the arm. Oh yeah. And then you've got the lightsaber stick, and then you've got that weird little stringy stick at the <laughs> end of it. Yeah, if you little... were a boy in the 70s, played with your Star Wars toys, and your Luke still has that little stringy stick, you deserve whatever money you can you get for it. Because you didn't have it. much of a childhood. <laughs> All of it. I got you did I not play with that thing enough, and you deserve some <laughs> happiness. <laughs> but for those of us who wrecked that toy, we've gotten every dime we could ever get out of it in yep. true value. Yep. Well, I was gonna say I'm not a big collectible guy anymore. Honestly, they most hold memories. Like uh, I got this dopey thing my dad got me, old Tim Couch bobblehead. It's out of the thing. It means more, but his dad got it for me. You know, um, we used to go to Canton Akron baseball game. Stephen King. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, I used to go to Canton Akron baseball games. We collected all these autographs. I don't know if you see this. I don't know if it's being shown. I got all these baseballs, but the autographs are worn off. I mean, I'm looking at it now. I can't tell you who signed these anymore. And, you know, we use ballpoint pen, which wasn't good for baseballs. Yeah, it's funny. Wasn't it a, a joke on the on Parks and Rec when they got a guitar and it was signed by the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the guy who bought it immediately starts wiping off the signatures. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm more of a Jack Johnson guy. <laughs> If you think about it, <laughs> I, I, I like to autograph so much of the time. Anybody with an Indian uniform, I would take their autograph. But man, there sure. was, Albert Bell played there for a while. Um, mm -hmm. um, who else played there? Um, yeah, Jim Tomey played there for a while. I, and I can't remember getting those autographs, but these autographs, I'm looking at the screen. I mean, I remember the names, and I, I guess that's what means more than anything else. But I'm like, man, there's not a Jim Tomey on this ball or anything, you know? I mean, I'm seeing all these random dudes that really weren't any, anybody, you know? Tr Charlie Nagy, I remember watching him pitch for, for a while. Uh, Deion Sanders, I mean, he played for the Yankees minor league for a while, and I remember seeing him play. Never got a Deion Sanders autograph or Jim Tomey. Man, I, I didn't pick him right, guys. I should have picked the... We, when I, Early 80s, I mean, we were 15 minutes from downtown Cleveland, and so probably three times a week, you know, we're watching the game on TV. Seventh inning, we hop in the car, go down to the stadium. Usher lets you sit wherever you want. Not the singer, but the stadium usher. Yeah. And then after the game, we sit around waiting for autographs. And, I mean, Mike Hargrove knew my family by name because we were there so often. Uh, Len Barker, <laughs> Joe Charbonneau gave me a bat, which I thought was really cool. I got a Joe Charbonneau bat, but then I took it home. It's like, it's all sticky from pine tar. Yeah, <laughs> gross. <laughs> you had a player jersey. It's all sweaty. You're like, ugh, nasty. <laughs> yeah, we had yeah one municipal game trip. I think it was Doc Edwards when he was a manager. He was just sitting. I mean, nobody went to those games. And, like, he was sitting alone in, during batting practice, and we talked to him. I remember, I think it was the first game I went to. It was a 
Fourth of July game where they played the Royals. And it was funny because, you know, it was a July 4th game. And it actually was a sellout because there was fireworks that night. And, you know, the only games that even came close to selling out was the home opener and the um, July 4th game. It was a municipal stadium. Nobody went to those games. I remember talking to a Royals pitcher. I'm like, oh, how are you going to do this year? He's like, okay. I got all excited. Oh, it's my first interview where I asked somebody something. You know, it was just, yeah, those are good memories. But so for me, collectibles, hey, if I see another Hank Williams Jr. or a Hank Williams Sr. poster from that night, I'll definitely buy it, but it'll buy it to sell to somebody. Um, usually, yeah. the supper got some more, you know, personal memories from my childhood. So. Yeah, if I had a lot of cash on hand, I'd, I'd be bidding for a pair of Miles Davis sunglasses and that would be encased in my house, not not on the market. Right. Anything I buy collect William Moore is on the market. I mean, <laughs> I don't have root brains. They're all investments now for you. you know, really. Yeah, whatever else I buy. <laughs> the problem is with this kind of thing is it really encourages hoarders. You know, I would be better about getting rid of more things if I didn't, if I wasn't in the back of my head trying to add up the money I would get for selling it, even though clearly I'm never going to sell this stuff. And I'm never going to find a market for, you know, concert memorabilia for CCM uh, artists from the late eighties. Like that's not a market that exists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and if there, if it exists somewhere, I don't know where it is and I'm never going to find it. So, you yeah, know, there's someone out there still have paying that top stuff. dollar for, for right? a DeGarmo and Key t-shirt. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Those old DeGarmo and Key tapes. Yeah, saw, man. Well, I, even the main rock stars. I mean, I saw a Pawn Stars the other day where somebody brought in a Rolling Stones T-shirt. It was actually in perfect condition. Like they were stunned, and it only got a thousand bucks. And that was for a perfect. Only condition. got a thousand bucks. They probably paid seven dollars for that. Right, but, but think <laughs> about it. How many T-shirts from that time are in perfect condition? Usually, nice. you wear them to school if you can, or. You wear them out in the rain all the time. Slide the mug with them. I mean, they're they're, they gotta be beat up somehow. It was just they were just stunned. They're like, man. Eventually, it becomes that rag that you use to clean up that that spot in the garage. (laughs) It's it's not all over. It's just rough rough times. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks, guys. This is our review show. We're always open to reviewing more stuff, but honestly, just been busy weeks. It's been easy for me just pick out some links. Less what we think. Um. We are going to share this on Saturdays, and uh, we're also sharing anything else that these guys come up with. Um, right now, the pop culture is Paul's reviews. Um, I he just said he's got um, uh, what Stephen King the Stand, right? Yep. You'll see that Finished last night. Recorded this morning. Right. What's that? And and Paul usually reads. What's it, Joe? Probably. Hundred books a week. It's something it's like that. Yeah, yeah. So, hundred books a week, at least. Uh, we'll at least in a get, slow least, week. Yeah, we'll at least get the Stephen <laughs> King review out there. And hey, I'm sure there might be some more by the end of this week. Joe, we gotta get you on. I know. Yeah, you, I gotta come up with something interesting that somebody would want to hear. Or, or, or just do <laughs> thoughts, just rant, Joe. You turn. You, you're getting the old uh, grumpy guy like the rest of us. That's are, right. Man. I'm just, just going to rant, rant about, about stuff. You know what I mean, it doesn't have to be news or. Here's why I'm upset. Yes, I, I think people <laughs> have that. So, but but one thing is, Saturday will be our time where we'll share this show that we put together, Paul's book reviews, Paul rants, or whatever else Paul wants to do, and anything that Joe wants to rant about. Maybe Joe can take us on a trip around Mississippi in his, you know, like, you like a little bit of a travel log or whatever he wants to do. And then Sunday, we. we we're starting to feature Paul's um, faith content. So uh, we shared a couple sermons this week. And, Paul, I'll have to kind of go through what you guys you got this week, and we'll share some more stuff. It'll be good. All right. A- anything Sounds else good. we want to share before we close up shop for the day? I think we're good. Check out our Steelers podcast. We record that earlier. That'll be out Tuesday. And you might say, I don't care about the Steelers. What if you like to listen to this talk? Hey. It's good content. I one of my favorite podcasters podcasts about a bunch of reality shows he doesn't care about, but he makes it fun. So check it out if you're a Steelers fan or even if you're not. It should be good. All right. Well, let us know if you got anything we can review for next week. If not, 
I will pick some more links and we will share some more crazy stories for the week. So, all right. So, well, Paul and Joe, as always, thanks for your time. For these guys, it's Chris. Thanks for checking out our review show. Have a great day, everybody. So, I thank my family for their love and support and encouragement through this time. Uh, this award means the world to me. Uh, it has been a, a long journey, a hard journey, but I made it and I finished. Oh, sorry. Um, don't make fun of my Bigfoot medal. This is my 2020 uh, Bigfoot, the social distancing champion running challenge. I don't run, I walk, uh, 5K walk last year. It was, hey, it's a medal with Bigfoot. What's all this about? Huge accomplishment last night. My name is Paul. Welcome back to my channel. If you're new here, welcome for the first time. If you're coming back, thanks again for stopping back. Uh, really appreciate it if you could like and subscribe uh, to the channel and share it with others. Anyway, why am I being weird? Why am I being loopy? Last night, big accomplishment. The Stand, Stephen King, officially now probably the longest book I've ever read. Uh, this one, this was the complete uh, unedited version, uh, 1,437, 38 pages, something like that. This was a commitment. I finished, and I know what you're going to say if you've watched the channel. I love Stephen King. He's now up here on the shelf with Dr. Strange and Gandalf. This was so good. Come on. Is it long? Yes. Is it good? Yes. So, The Stand, what's it about? If you haven't read it or haven't watched uh, either one of the TV adaptations, which I haven't yet, which now that I've read it, I can. So I'm happy about that. The Stand, uh, we have a virus uh, called Captain Trips. It's a flu virus that was produced in a military lab. It gets out of the lab and quickly spreads and wipes out 99% of humanity, leaving a very small group of survivors. These survivors begin having dreams and nightmares. Dreams about a old woman, an old woman, named Mother Abigail. Nightmares about the dark man, Randall Flagg. These dreams cause these individuals to be drawn to one or the other. Uh, Randall Flagg is, ends up being stationed out in Las Vegas, and he attracts his followers to him. Mother Abigail is in Colorado, and she begins to draw... Well, she doesn't do it so much, as people are drawn to her uh, to come and find refuge with her in the middle of basically a post-apocalyptic, post-virus-polictic uh, world. And... Really, the, the first half of this book, if you are a fan of The Walking Dead, uh, the first two seasons especially, uh, this is right up your alley. I mean, this was like reading the first two seasons of The Walking Dead, just take out the zombies, where you have a small group of survivors trying to figure out how to survive together. Uh, how to reestablish life, and uh, they go on this journey to begin to uh, group up together. And so you are introduced to a lot of characters, especially right out of the gate. And I've seen a lot of videos talking about just how hard it is to keep up with all the different characters. And yes, it is, but again, it's no different than something like The Walking Dead, or I... I I've never watched or read Game of Thrones, but I know there's a lot of characters in that and a very similar premise. So yeah, there's a lot of characters, but you find out quickly the first half of the book. So again, there's, there's a lot to go. Uh, the first half of the book, you quickly find out the, the core group of characters that you're going to end up paying attention to. And initially it can be hard to remember, okay, who was left off where, because it kind of takes a chapter and focuses on this character, the next chapter, another character. And by the time you circle back around, it takes you a second to remember, okay, where do we leave off with that character? And there are times where he begins a chapter, uh, picking up with that character, and you're like, wait a minute, I don't remember, I don't remember them getting to that point, and they didn't. It, 
he starts you there and then he goes back and explains how they got there so that aside it's not that hard to keep track of them uh again the 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 core characters and as the book continues they add more characters some are more important than others but again you, you quickly begin to realize the characters that are worth paying attention to so around the halfway point i would say uh, we really begin to focus on establishing Mother Abigail, who she is, and we begin to see people uh, assembling to her. We see people rallying to Randall Flagg out in Las Vegas, and we see these two different uh, communities begin to flourish. Uh, again, if you're a Walking Dead fan, think of uh, Rick Grimes and his group, and think about Negan and the group of the Saviors. And you, you kind of get that similar principle developing. So, again, don't want to give a lot away, just kind of the, the overall format of the book. And so then, as we get into the second half of the book, we begin to see kind of this growing tension within, especially the Mother Abigail community of people trying to work together because they're trying to reestablish society. And the group in Las Vegas with Randall Flagg, they are just preparing for uh, wiping out uh, anyone who's not on their side. And inevitably, obviously, it's going to lead to a collision between the two communities, uh, between the two sides. So, all that being said, is it long yes is it worth it yes there are so many great takeaways i mean this is in the last quarter of the book but it's not going to give anything away but just listen to this because there were uh wait let me okay love didn't grow very well in a place where there was only fear just as plants didn't grow very well in a place where it was always dark that's profound and there are some profound uh, statements shared in this book, especially towards the end. I, I know that Stephen King wrote the, the a new ending for the CBS miniseries, so I'm going to have to go and watch that and see how that ends. All that being said, the ending. Wow. I'm still, again, I finished this last night and still really chewing on how this ends because Stephen King really uses this to ask a very profound question uh, by the time we're done and I'm still kind of wrestling through that and I've got to say because this was uh, basically a, a fast spreading pandemic that wipes out the world if you read this last spring that would have been hit a little too close to home but it's interesting that being a year removed from the start of COVID and all that and seeing the question, I think that the main question that King asks of the reader in this, this is the perfect time to read this book uh, in light of the question I feel that he asks at the end. Uh, because I you know, think about everything that's some of the main events we've seen in the world since he wrote The Stand. The question's still a good question, and I won't tell you what the question is. You have to read to find out. Anyway, there are a obviously a lot of, I don't say obviously, but a lot of spiritual connections. Uh, Mother Abigail is a woman who is deeply devoted to God and has this very close connection to God. Uh, Randall Flagg obviously is essentially the Antichrist type character. Uh, we see a lot of the characters wrestling with questions of faith and spirituality and what they believe, what they don't believe. Um, a lot of things that happen is this God, is this somehow divine, is this coincidence, is this chance? And so we get this beautiful explore, exploration, I can talk, of these characters trying to process um, to what extent is there something supernatural uh, to what extent is there something of god in the middle of all of this and so if you've ever wrestled with the question of you know, where is god in the middle of massive tragedies and there, there's a lot of issues that come out here that's going to help stir that fire of wrestling with that question so i know stephen king's not a, to my knowledge he's not a christian or a man of faith at all but 
the issues he brings out in here, I, I feel, are more profound than what you find in a lot of Christian-based fiction books or anything of that nature. So, in short, The Stand, Stephen King. Again, talk about Stephen King and his storytelling. I was... <clears throat> by the time I finished this book, I was exhausted. Not, not because I was reading a long book, but because... I truly felt like I was in this life and death survival journey with these characters. And because the book is so long, and because it took me like almost three weeks to read it, I wish, I'm kind of ashamed of that, but uh, no, I'm not. Because spending that extra time with the book, I really felt like I had spent significant time with these characters. And really... The fate of some of the characters hit more closely to me than I anticipated. Uh, and uh, hopefully it's not a major spoil, but one of the concerns I had with this was that when all is said and done, all the good guys are going to get together and celebrate that they won. It's not how it ends. Um, I, I will give that. And by that, I mean, I'm not going to say the good guys won or the bad guys won. I'm just saying that not every character is going to make it. And my fear was that it was going to be this cheesy ending where all the good guys survive. They don't. Won't tell you who does. Won't tell you who won't. No character is safe. And I think that makes this a an especially tense read because you know that there's no safe character. There's not one character that, oh, nothing's going to happen to them. You don't have that guarantee. And he establishes that and does it very well and writes some amazing characters that you feel deeply attached to and you genuinely want them to survive you genuinely want them to make it through and those who don't you generally feel like you've lost a friend and so would I say this is my favorite Stephen King book so far I might need more time on that but probably um, not not quite as maybe action's not the right word there's there's not a lot of action but right now I'll say yeah does it beat out the shining it just might I'll have to think about that more but right now I'm and maybe just because it's so fresh I'll give it a few days but I really enjoy this guys and if you haven't read again if I know I talked about this with uh, Colorado Kid, but if you're not into the horror stuff, uh, there are some gruesome things that happen. And yes, it's in the horror genre, like I guess most post-apocalyptic things might be. This isn't your typical uh, horror. Uh, it's a very different kind of horror. Uh, it's more of that post-apocalyptic survival type horror. Do you want the full unedited version? If you're going to read it, why not? What's a few extra pages? Um, fantastic book. I am so glad. I was so intimidated when I picked this up at a thrift store. wasn't wasn't sure when I was going to get to it, and finally decided to take the plunge. And I am so glad I did. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and watch the the miniseries. I, I I struggle to think it's going to come anywhere near to how satisfying this was but I'll watch it wow so good I really encourage you to read it I really think you're going to enjoy it and if anything I said sounds remotely interesting to you at all uh, I don't know if I was too descriptive not descriptive enough to help you um, but again if you were a fan of you know the first couple seasons of The Walking Dead definitely you don't get the zombies but you get the general survival feel of strangers becoming family and trying to survive together so amazing book amazing book so that is completed where do i go now well i need a quick read after that uh so i am going to begin today later on today mallory by josh mallerman this is the sequel to bird box so that isn't going to be much of a commitment at all i'm going to hit that one next and then not that this is a long book, but uh, his writing style is a little, little more meaty, and so this might be a little bit slower read, but then go on to Dune Messiah by Frank Herbert. The follow-up 
to the Dune, the, the first part. I decided I'm going to say I'm just going to go through the Frank Herbert series uh, in order, and then I'll go back and pick up uh, his son's fill-in books. So those are the next two books on the docket. Now that I'm done with the stand and. Honestly, I just kind of feel like taking some time and just soaking in the beauty that was The Stand. But I love to read, and so before I go to bed tonight, I will have started Mallory, so I can't help it. Uh, but anyway, The Stand by Stephen King, outstanding book. Love it, love it, love it. Loved every part of it. Yeah, it slowed down at parts. Didn't matter. Worth it, loved it, encourage you to read it. If you did... Let me know down below. What did you think? Uh, what were your thoughts on The Stand? Uh, what did you think about the miniseries? If you watched the uh, the older version or the brand new one, uh, what did you think about those? Uh, yeah, let's talk about it down below. But thanks so much for watching, and we'll catch you back here next time with a review, hopefully, of Mallory by Josh Mallerman. Have a great day. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.